welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. Title this message, we're still in Mark 8. Title this message, Different Deliverance, Different Power. And the context is this. I mean, uh, Jesus has given the disciples what we've talked about as a second touch. Uh, the disciples, they've been with Jesus for some time now, maybe close to a couple years. And, and so they've come to know him, but they don't really understand who he is or what he's doing. And so Jesus had, we saw this enacted parable, this Jesus healed a blind man. And when he healed him, he, he gave him, it was like a two-stage healing. At first, he, the, he healed the guy a little bit, and the guy said, well, I can see, but I see people, and they look like trees that are walking. And so then Jesus touched him again, and then he said, okay, now I can see clearly. And that was a, a kind of a parable. It was an enacted parable for the disciples to let them know that they needed a second touch because they weren't seeing Jesus clearly. And so right after that, Jesus asked Peter, and, and he said, who do people say that I am? And then he made it more poignant. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter had blurted out this thing that had been growing in the hearts of himself and the other 12. And he said, you are the Christ. And that was, and Jesus affirmed that. He confirmed that. He said, yes, you're right. And, and here's the thing. When we hear that, like Jesus Christ, we, we don't always know what that means, right? And so, I mean, there's kids who grew up assuming that Christ is his last name, you know, Jesus Christ. And so, but, but it's not, it's actually a title. And it's a title that was, that was in, instilled with all kinds of meaning to them. And so when Jesus affirms that he is in fact the Christ, that triggers some expectations for Peter and the disciples. Some of them that were rooted in human ambition that had nothing to do with what Jesus was actually going to do. And some of them were rooted in their understanding of God's promises. So they were, they were, there's promises about the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. These are all synonyms that, that they had expectations because of how they had interpreted those promises. So let me just show you one of them. Here's one out of 2 Samuel. And um, here's the context for this. David, uh, King David, this is some, well, like 1,300 years before Jesus' time. Uh, King David, or maybe, maybe a little bit less than that, um, but he had, he had been established as a king. He'd been appointed king, anointed king. Uh, the, the kingdom had been consolidated. He was, all the, the tribes have come together and confirmed him as king. And he lives in the best part of Jerusalem. And he's got his dream home. And he's, he's sitting around in his home and he's, the wars have been fought. And so he's kind of just kind of taken an inventory of his life and realizes, I've got it really good. And the, uh, the, the tabernacle, the place where we go to worship God, it's still living in a temporary tent. It's like I'm living in a mansion and God is living in something that you can buy at REI. And that feels like a disconnect for Peter. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to build him a house. I'm going to build him a temple. And so he calls his buddy Nathan, the prophet, and he says, Nathan, uh, I've got this idea. I want to build a temple, just this glorious temple for God. And Nathan's like, dude, you should do that. You should absolutely do that. I mean, this is his first initial reaction was, that sounds, that sounds like a great idea, a noble idea. He says, you should do that. And then that night, 
Nathan has a dream, and God appears to him in the night and says, I've got a message for David that I want you to deliver. And so here's, here's 2 Samuel 7. Here's the message. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. And here God's going to begin to use the word house in a different way, not just as a literal building, but actually more metaphorically. He says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So they're expecting a Messiah that will come and, and establish, reestablish the Davidic, Davidic dynasty and, and with an eternal kingdom. And so this brings all kinds of expectations for the disciples and, and, and this idea that, that the Messiah, the Christ, when he comes, he will establish an eternal house of David. So a biblical historian, Craig Keener, he says it this way. He says, there were many different views of the Messiah or Messiahs in Jesus' time but they all revolved around earthly deliverance and earthly kingdoms. For Jesus' disciples, that meant freedom from the tyranny of Rome. It meant a restoration of Israel's sovereignty and status over the rest of the world. It meant the golden days of, of David's reign. It would all begin with military conquest, and it would end with political power. So even in, in this moment, as they have this confession, they're marching toward a very godless city. And, and so this is, what's, this is what this awakens in them. But Jesus immediately began to explain that his way of bringing deliverance, his way of, of bringing power was going to look different than what they're expecting. Mark 8, 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and that he would be killed. And after three days, he would rise again. He said this quite openly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Did you hear that? You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. We looked at this exchange between Peter and Jesus last week. We noticed that like, there was this whiplash for Peter. Because one moment he, he got affirmed by Jesus in front of all the other disciples for being the first one to actually, actually name what they hoped was true, that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited rescuer. And he was the one that, that got it right. And then Jesus immediately says, get behind me, Satan. There's a little bit of whiplash involved there. And there, so there's, there's personal whiplash. And then there's also the whiplash of of it confirming everything that he's hoping for. And then Jesus says, but it's not going to look anything like what you think. As we resume, Jesus turns away from Peter to address all of his disciples. And here's the thing. And here's, you need to hear this because he's not just going to address the, the other 11. He's going to address a crowd. And some of the people in that crowd were what we might say they were spiritually unconvinced. They weren't yet followers of Jesus. They weren't disciples of Jesus. They were curious. They were hungry. They were hopeful. They had needs. They had hopes. But they weren't yet followers of Jesus. And so even in this moment where Jesus is announcing that he is in fact the Messiah, he invites them to follow him, but he makes it really clear what the invitation is. Listen, listen to this and, and hear this because I, I, I hope and I expect that within our gathering today, both here on campus and online, 
there are some who are not yet followers of Jesus. There's some who've been following Jesus for maybe like the 12, maybe years. Doesn't mean you're seeing him entirely clearly yet, any more than they did. That's a, that's a lifelong journey, right? But you're a follower of Jesus. And there's some who, you may be here because you're curious, because you're, you're hopeful, because you have needs or, or, or desires. But there's an invitation to follow Jesus, and you're going to get to act on that today if you want. But be very clear about what you're being invited to. Because I don't think in 21st century America, we've always understood what the invitation is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. Here's what he says. He called the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, if any, any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Let's start with a little Greek lesson. When Jesus says, any, if anyone wants to become my disciples, what, you know what he means by any? Any. Yeah, it's, it's not tricky. It's pretty straightforward. Anyone. He throws the invitation wide open. Interestingly, at the time, Peter thought, really, if, if you would have asked Peter, what does Jesus mean when he says any? Peter would have said, well, any of the Jewish people who want to follow him can. Later, Peter would, would have his understanding of any broadened to include the whole world. People that Peter would think were dirty, people that Peter would think were beyond the pale. He'll get there. But right now, Jesus says any. And what he promises, basically what he says is, you can become my follower. Anyone can become my follower. But make, make sure you understand this. My life is the pattern for you if you become my follower. And here's the pattern. I'm going to go lay down my life for the sake of others. To, to become my follower, to become my disciple, to become what, in our, in our language we would say, to become a Christian. It's to lay down your life, to pick up your cross. That's what he says. So what do we mean by that? What did he mean by that? Take up their cross and follow me. I'm pretty confident. I can say this with pretty much 100% certainty. <laughs> this phrase does not affect us the way it would of Jesus' original hearers or the Christians that Mark was writing to in the late 60s. Now understand, anytime we see Jesus speaking, there's the original audience of like, in this case, the 12 and the crowds that had gathered around that he was speaking to. But then when it was written down in written form, it was written for a specific audience as well. Mark was writing for a group of people some, probably a little over 30, 35 years later, that were living in Rome and were experiencing persecution, severe persecution under the Emperor Nero. Brutal treatment. And he wrote this for them. And I have to think that they heard it differently than we would because we just don't have a grid for take up your cross and follow me. In fact, we use that metaphorically sometimes, sometimes to describe like, you know, uh, chronic illness. I, I, this is my cross to, to bear. And sometimes we use it pretty flippantly, almost, you know, we use it to describe like minor inconveniences like technological inconveniences, like, yeah, I can't get Wi-Fi at my house. It's just, you know, the Wi-Fi is just so lame at my house. It's my cross to bear, right? But here's the thing. We can use it flippantly like that or to describe a chronic illness because we can't relate to what they actually witnessed in the first century, both Jesus' audience and Mark's audience. And that was that capital punishment was actually carried out in a public venue. 
And to pick up your cross was to take the, the horizontal beam that you would be crucified upon and carry it through the streets of the, of the city out to the place where you would be executed. Often past crowds of people that were, that were you know, mocking, that were jeering. When Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, that, that's, that, that had horrific connotations to his listeners and to Mark's listeners. However, I do think as jarring as it might be to us to hear that, that that's what it means to be his follower, is to be willing to follow that pattern. As jarring as that is for us, I actually think it was comforting to the Christians in Rome because as they were experiencing suffering under Nero, they could say, you know what, Jesus promised this. But there's a reason that they would sign up for that. Do you think Jesus is using that phrase, pick up your cross and follow me? Do you think he's using it literally or, or metaphorically? Yeah, both. It's always both. Whenever I ask one of those questions, it's both, right? It's both. We know that because if you look at the same passage, the way it's told in Luke chapter 9, Luke's, Luke also recorded this conversation. Luke 9, 23, then he said to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily. Okay? Daily means, you, if, if he's only talking literally, you can only take up your cross and, and die on it once. Unless you're a cat and you've <laughs> got nine lives to offer. But when he, says liter- when, he says, when he says, take up your cross daily, he's talking about a lifestyle of preferring others, of, of self-sacrificing love for the sake of other people. On, here, just one example. We're talking about movie nights. Here's, here's just case in point. Here's a chance to love your neighbor. I want to challenge you not to make your decision about whether or not you participate in that night and, and have a part to play in it by whether or not it's comfortable for you. Because we're called to pattern ourselves after a God who loves others at his own discomfort. Okay? So that's just one case. I mean, that doesn't matter whether you're serving at the pantry, giving up your Saturday afternoon to serve at the food pantry, giving up your Sunday afternoon to go serve at feeding God's children, showing up on Saturday night to, to be part of a, of a prayer vigil, to, to acknowledge the brokenness of, of the, the racial brokenness that still exists in our world. Whenever you're giving up of yourself for somebody else, that's following in Jesus' pattern. New, New Bible Commentary says it this way, to deny oneself means refusing to follow any natural inclination, however innocent, that runs con- contrary to Christ's path for us. Anything that runs contrary to Christ's path for us. It means releasing to him our earthly hopes and our ambition and trust. And when we offer our, our, everything we have to God, we offer it in trust and say, God, whatever you would have for me, that's what I want. And, and we don't actually know what's going to happen with that. We don't know what God's going to do with that. So we're not saying yes to a plan. When we say yes to following Jesus, we're not saying yes to a plan because we don't know where it'll take us. We're saying yes to a person. And we know that person's trustworthy, faithful, good. So many of the songs that the worship team led us in this morning declared who God is. We can entrust ourselves without knowing what'll happen because we know that he's good. So... For Jesus and many of his followers, though, this wasn't just a, a metaphorical, like, self-denial. It, for many of them, they literally did give up their lives. For some of Jesus' original audience, Peter, that Jesus spoke this to most directly, Peter would end up being crucified in Rome about the same time that Mark was writing this book to, to the Christians in Rome in the mid-60s. 
That's where Peter will give up his life, crucified upside down. So here's the thing. It might cost you everything, even your life, if you want to become Jesus' follower. Why would anyone want to do that? And that's a literal question. And it's one of the reasons that the gospel's gotten really watered down in 21st century America, because when you put it like that, like, who's going to say yes to that? Why in the world pick up your cross and follow me? Why in the world would you say yes to that? That's because of what Jesus promises next. In May 35, Jesus says this. He says, for those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Jesus introduces a paradox here that turns our normal approach to life upside down. He says, in essence, if you go through life trying to grasp all that you can for yourself, all the toys, all the money, all the experiences, all the... If you just go through life trying to grasp all that you can for yourself, that's, that way of life leads to death. It doesn't lead to life. And there's a way of life that looks like death from the outside, but it's what leads to true life. Surrendering your life to Jesus is the doorway to a different quality of life and a different quantity of life. It's, a, it's true abundance and fullness of life that begins now, and it also stretches into eternity. Spiritual life, eternal life. So Jesus actually alludes to this in what's waiting in, in Mark 8, 38. As we can continue the passage, he says, those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Listen to his language here because it's very, it's very um, formational for Peter. You're going to hear this echoed in Peter's own sermon about a year later. Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them will the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory with his Father and his angels. And so he follows with this promise. He then said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God has come with power. I want to just, as we close, I want to highlight that word power. Because Jesus has been promising all along that the kingdom of God is breaking in, it has broken in, and it will continue. It will come. So there's, there's this sense in which, is the kingdom of God here? Is it not? Well, yes, it's here, and it's not yet. And they've been experiencing that all along. Every time Jesus does something, when he fed the crowds, when he touched the blind man, every time he does something miraculous, the kingdom of God is breaking in. The rule of God that was, that was lost over the globe in Genesis, when our, when our first parents rebelled against God and we rejected God's good rule, we subjected ourselves to our own independent rule. And every time something good happens that, that breaks the brokenness, that heals the brokenness, that's, that's the kingdom of God breaking, breaking in, being restored. But Jesus says, there's some here, there's more, and there's some who are standing right here that before you die this death, you're going to see the kingdom come in power. What does he mean by that? It has, has kind of a, a layered meaning because there's some that in the very next passage that we're going to be in next week, we're going to see Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration and three of these disciples are going to get to see Jesus in his eternal state. It's like the, it's like the veil of heaven is pulled back for just a moment and they see him in his, in his divinity. 
They're going to see him in his glorious state. So that's coming for them. But really what this, the ultimate fulfillment of this, some, some who were standing right there listening to this conversation, were going to see the kingdom come in power. It was going to be his resurrection. Because nothing like that had ever happened before. Death was the ultimate enemy. Going back to Genesis, that God had warned them, the day that you, that you declare your rebellion against me, you will die. And so for death to be conquered, understand these disciples that, that, that heard this, most of them got to actually see and experience resurrected Jesus. They got to touch him. They got to hear him. And it wasn't just somebody who was revived from death and would die again. He was resurrected with a, a, an eternal body that will never again experience decay, never experience death, never experience any of that. And Paul says that he was the first fruits of many. But there's more to come. So why would anybody enter into this kind of following Jesus? Like, why, why would you choose death for this earthly life? Why would you choose a way that looks like self, self-death and denial? Because of the promise of what's waiting. Because of the, there's a trade. And the trade is, when you understand it, there, it's, it's a no-brainer. Jesus taught his disciples two parables in Matthew 13. He said, well, the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a, this treasure hidden in a field. And when the treasure seeker finds it, he looks around to make sure nobody's looking. He covers it up because he wants it for himself. And then he goes and sells everything that he has so he can buy the field and get the treasure. And, and everything that he valued before that suddenly is worthless because he's got to have that treasure. In the same way, he says, or, or for those of you who like jewelry, think of, a, think of somebody who collects pearls and finds a great pearl. And when they find that great pearl, everything else has no value. They, they'll sell everything else they can to get that one. Everything else that would keep us from following Jesus when properly understood what he offers us, it, it pales in comparison. Things that, things that we thought mattered, when we truly understand the invitation of Jesus for eternal life that begins now and never ends, Well, it's a no-brainer. 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of emptiness here or eternal abundance and goodness beginning now. Peter, we jump to Acts. This is about about a year after that time that Peter first heard this rebuke from Jesus. This is after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus has returned to the Father. The Holy Spirit has fallen on the disciples in Jerusalem. And Peter preaches his very first sermon. We're going to jump into the place where the crowd responds to the sermon. And and Acts 2.37 says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, he said, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children, for all those far away. That means us too. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 people. <laughs> the people that were listening to that crowd, that, to Peter's message that day, they were religious people. 
They were churchgoers. They were theists. They actually believed in God. They weren't, they weren't idolaters. They believed in God, but they were not yet followers of Jesus. And Peter gave them a doorway, and he said, Here's, there's two things to do, and there's two things you'll receive. The two things to do are to repent, and he, and he clarifies that. He says, that means to turn from anything that is less than Jesus and turn towards his way of life. That's, that's a daily lesson. That's something we get to learn. We, we begin, and we do it the rest of our lives. It's a, it's, a, it's a training we enter into. Titus 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly. That's repentance. It's to turn from one thing and to move towards another. So Peter says, repent and be baptized. So identifying with Jesus in his death and saying, I'm going to choose this as my way of life. I'm going to die with you, Jesus. But I'm also receiving new life. And so it's, it's an act. It's a public confession and a public act of faith to receive what he offers. And says that, Peter says to them, two things are going to happen. You're going to be forgiven for your sin. Your sin will be removed from you as far as the east is from the west. This, the, the, the guilt of your sin, the penalty for your sin, the stain of your sin, the power of sin. It's all broken. It's all cleansed. That's why, that's why it's water. It's cleansed. And when you come up, you're going to be received the Holy Spirit. So, so you're going to do two things. You're going to repent and be baptized. And you're going to receive two things. You're going to receive forgiveness. And you're going to receive the indwelling Spirit of God to actually empower you to live this life that otherwise is impossible. In your humanness, you won't choose the way of self-denial. You won't choose to lay down your life for the sake of others. But if Jesus is inside of you, if he's transforming you from the inside out, if he makes his home in you, so going back to the promise to David, I'll, I'm going to build a house. God's building a house, and it's not buildings. It's not made out of stones. It's made out of people. It's, it's living stones. And so if you've never become a follower of Jesus like that, if you've never understood the invitation to follow Jesus and be built into that spiritual house, to be a part of that promise that was made to David all the way back, you can do that today through baptism. That's what we're doing. So, um, yeah, there's a cost to following Jesus, and there's a tremendous payoff. There's a tremendous payoff. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to give an invitation for baptism. The worship team's going to come, and they're just going to um, create a little bit of worshipful atmosphere for us. We have some people that, that, that have already said, I would like to be baptized, and so uh, you know who you are. Uh, I, I hope and I believe there's some who spontaneously are going to say, you know what, I feel a conviction in my heart that I want that. Maybe you were baptized previously, but you didn't understand what, what it meant. Maybe somebody else had you baptized, and you didn't understand what it meant. You'd like to, re to receive that today, and you'd like to, to have that public confession. You can do that today. You're not being baptized into the vineyard church. You're being baptized into the body of Christ. You're being built into a spiritual temple. So I just want to ask you to, to take a moment and to consider if that might be you. If you didn't come prepared for this today, we do have t-shirts that, that you can put on that, will, um, that uh, will just be helpful. And we also have extra towels. We brought extra towels in faith that maybe some people didn't bring theirs. So um, we can accommodate you. So here's what this looks like. In a moment, 
um, I'm just going to ask you that if you would like to be baptized, if you would move up here front to there's a table right over here on the on this side, um, you can see uh, Andrea and Janet standing over there. They're going to take, um, they'll help you with a shirt and a sign up, and um, we're going to pray together. And then we've got two of our pastors, uh, Pastor Michael and, and I think Pastor Brent, is that right? Are going to be in here baptizing people. And um, we just want to make that space. So tell you what, why don't you stand with me? And can we just take a moment to pray? Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, we have this opportunity to be adopted into your family to be built into a a spiritual family, to be built into a temple where your Holy Spirit lives. No longer in buildings, but actually in people that, that we would become, each one of us, and together a mobile temple. Holy Spirit, I invite you to awaken hearts today. Jesus, there's some of us who didn't understand what it meant to become your father, what it meant to be a Christian, to say yes to the pattern of your life, to receive in exchange your, your death on our behalf, to receive forgiveness, to receive your Holy Spirit living inside of us. And Lord, we still don't comprehend it today but it's becoming a little more clear. It's a second touch. We're beginning to see a little bit more what it means to be your follower. For those who would would want to say yes to following you in this way, would you awaken that in hearts today? you'd like to say yes to Jesus in baptism today. If you'd like to say yes to this repentance, being baptized, receiving both forgiveness and receiving the Holy Spirit, I should ask you to go ahead and make your way over to the tables over there. Um, just go and if you already signed up, you can just check in with, uh, with Andrea and Janet over there. Um, the rest of us here's what I want to ask you to do here's our job we're going to take a moment ask our prayer team and prayer team if you could make your way over there as well we'd like to lay hands on people um, and just pray specifically over them so we're going to do that together we're just going to have a time of corporate prayer and I would invite you if you are a parent who have you have kids in the children's ministry. Um, if you're able to go get them in just a moment after we pray and bring them back in here, um, let's make this part of our spiritual family. If, you're, if you need to leave, if you've got Father's Day plans and you have to leave right now, um, you can do that after I pray. But I'd encourage you, if you're able to, stick around. This is a spiritual family welcoming people into our spiritual family, people being adopted 
to know the Father's love. And so when people come out of the water, we're going to celebrate like crazy. Okay? This is an awesome thing. What a, this is the best Father's Day ever. So prayer team, if you guys would just, um, if you're wanting to be baptized, just maybe put your hand up. Let's pray. pray the prayer that Paul prayed over the church there in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ, so that Jesus may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints What is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all of the fullness, the abundance of God. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or even think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So be it. Amen. All right. When you're ready to be baptized, why don't you come on up? And um, I just want to invite you to, uh, to introduce yourself to your spiritual family. getting baptized right on would you to Austin you want to introduce yourself and and if there's uh, something about why you're why you're choosing baptism today what does this mean for you today Austin uh, well I've always just wanted to get baptized and I haven't really <laughs> I've always wanted to get baptized and I haven't really had a chance to actually devote myself in this way okay. um, so I figured I'd go ahead and do it today <laughs> okay Austin that's awesome <laughs> You can wear the boots if you want. They're going to hold you down a little bit. They're work boots, yeah. I know our children's pastor wears Doc Martens. That's how he gets his Doc Martens to fit. He wears them in the bathtub, and then they mold to his feet when they dry. Not every bath, just first one. Austin, did you know you were going to be baptized today? This is spontaneous. That's fantastic. 
just the, uh, when you speak, uh, he responded. Uh, he was obedient to uh, the words that he heard and the opportunity that you presented in his life this morning. Lord, I just pray that as uh, Austin just uh, confesses before this whole family, this whole church, Lord, his, his love and his, his faith in you, uh, that that obedience uh, would grow stronger, uh, that his faith would grow deeper, that whenever you speak, Lord, that he would, uh, without hesitation, boots and all, would just jump in. Lord, we, uh, we bless that that heart yeah. of obedience. Lord, we, we bless the spirit within him that is uh, calling for more, that is ready to give more. Lord, uh, Asana, I believe uh, the Lord is uh, going to show you some, some new things even after today. Uh, he's going to honor your honor of him, uh, your commitment to him. I think he's going to be speaking to you in, in ways that you begin to hear him in, in much more clear ways. Uh, wherever there may have been fogginess or uncertainty that uh, you'll become more and more certain. His voice will become more and more clear in your life. So Lord, bless that. Yeah. Uh, bless uh this young man's life, uh, as you already are, that each step he makes, uh, you'd be with him. So Austin, this morning, we are baptizing you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life that you're choosing this today? I'm Eli. I just turned 18 and I live for boot camp in eight days. So this is something really important to me that I want to make sure I did.
you know, I feel your, I feel the, the father's heart through your mom right now. Just the, the love and the tears and the joy and the celebration. Even greater, uh, so is your father in heaven. As he looks down in this, this little pool, this uh, bit of water, there's just this huge smile and this great amount of joy and love in his heart for you. And even this picture and the feeling you have with your, your mom and your shoulder this, uh, this morning, remember that. Remember that when you need it, when you feel uh, maybe a little alone or um, uncertain, that the Lord is with you. He's proud of you. He's full of joy for you. And 18 years old, um, it really is just the beginning of life in so many ways. So I just pray for um, for all these new beginnings in Eli's life, these new starts, uh, boot camp and, and what's to come, and the places that you're going to take him, uh, the journey that you have him on, Lord. His story is just beginning to unfold in, in new ways. And Lord, I, I just, I am blessed to see that he wants uh, you, first and foremost, a part of that that journey and those new things. So Lord, we just, uh, we bless the, the new things. Um, and the old things, uh, as you go down under this water, those old things that are gonna wash away. Uh, the things that are supposed to wash away will, and the things that aren't won't. The Lord has placed within you a, a strength, a, a certainty, a, a mother and father just full of love for the Lord and for you. Those things don't go away when you come out of this water. Those things grow stronger. Uh, there's a there's a character, there's integrity within you that's going to continue on. So Lord, we, uh, we bless just the, the faithfulness and the willingness uh, of Eli uh, to go forth, to go forward with you in his life, with you uh, first and foremost. With your mom on your side this morning. We now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Stephen Barnes. I'm 61 years old. My back's been against God all my life, even though I know who he is. But today is going to be the day where I give up my life to him, Jesus Christ, the Lord, the ever-existing Jehovah. And Father, I pray I'm guilty. I am guilty of my sins from, from you, Lord, from committing adultery against you, Father, and I'm guilty and I deserve my punishment. But I'm here today, Father, to ask for forgiveness, to receive the Spirit so that I can do your will and not my will or of the world. In your name, Lord Jesus, I pray.
God, today, we're so thankful for Stephen's confession of faith. And Lord, today we stand with him in his faith together as a family. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you, Father, that your word says that our sins, you throw them into the sea of your forgetfulness. God, I thank you that, Lord, that you re Lord your word says you remember them no more. You remember them no more. And so, Lord, today we stand in your goodness and your grace today. Lord, we thank you for this confession of faith, God. In Jesus' name, we bless Stephen today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. On the confession of your faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You just introduce yourself and tell oh, us why you're here. I'm Janice. <laughs> I'm here to get baptized. You love I'm Jesus nervous. as Lord? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. I love Fair Jesus. enough. Janice, God, I thank you for her confession of faith today. I thank you for your goodness to her and her life. I thank you, Lord, that today is a new day, that today is a brand new day in her relationship with you and her relationship with the body of Christ. And so today, we do speak a blessing over her today. Lord, that you would bless her. Lord, that you would go before her. Lord, that you would bless her household. Lord, that you would, um, Lord, that you would make her a light. God, that you've called her to be in this day. And so, Lord, today we thank you for her confession of faith and we thank you for bringing her into the family of God. And Lord, today we welcome her as well, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. This is all me. The Lord says that his perfect love will cast off all fear. And I believe the Lord wants to remove. Any part of your story that um, undue fear was brought into your mm -hmm. life, that he wants, he wants to, he wants to change that. Yeah. He is changing that, and the Lord wants that that fear to stay in this water when you come up. Yeah. And instead, to, for you to feel and to experience the love of, his, of Him, your, your Father, your Heavenly Father, today on Father's Day. Yeah. Your Father is here to protect you, to rescue you, to love you, to That's redeem good. you. 
and no thing that you have ever done will stand in the way of that love. No thing. It's a new day. I just kept hearing that over and over. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. You're leaving behind all of that fear and anxiety, and you're coming up out of the water to faith in Christ today. Amen. Amen. All right. Oh my nose. Yeah. Genesis, the confession of your faith. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, we say thank you. We say thank you, God, for your goodness today. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank yes. You, Jesus. I love you. Yes, Jesus. We say thank you. Thank you, Lord. We say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hello. Hi. Um, my name is Joshua Cramp. Um, I uh, was not expecting this today, but um, I, um, anyways, um, I've been a member of this church since 2008. I've um, been had seasons in and out of here and seasons of backsliding, and great seasons and really major bad seasons of darkness and um, the Lord has been really good really good to me and um, I owe him everything and he just keeps blessing me and I, I don't so um, I, I'm reestablishing uh, my relationship with the Lord and um, I'd like to um, profess that in front of everybody here today so Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that um, no matter where we, uh, what we choose, no matter uh, where we go, uh, you are still waiting with open arms to welcome us back, longing for us to come back. Lord, I thank you for, for uh, Joshua. Joshua this morning. Lord, his, uh, um, his life with you, whether it is uh, two months, 12 years, um, good seasons or bad. Lord, I thank you that in this season, he is saying yes to you. That in this season, he is hearing your voice and he is, he is knowing without a shadow of a doubt that it is you that he needs in his life. And Lord, you are our great provider. Lord, you are our great redeemer. Lord, you do heal all things. No callus can be hard enough for you to soften. No heart can be a stony, um, too stony that you cannot soften it, Lord. 
And so, Lord, I just pray for that, um, that tenderness, that, that softness uh, within Joshua, that you just remind him of who the man is that you created him to be, and that you would empower him to walk it out, to live it out in his life. Yes. Help him to see himself the way that you see him, Lord. And to give him joy. Yeah. Lord, bring back that joy into his life. Yes, God. I believe the, I believe the Lord wants you to pour out uh, an abundance of joy mm. in your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. He wants you to experience joy like you've never yeah. experienced before. Yes. Yes. No sorrow, no heartache, no experience um, will overcome this joy that he wants to pour yes. out into your life. Yes. So Lord, show him what that looks like. Show him what a, the joy of the Lord feels like in his life. Yes. We pray a blessing, Lord, a blessing over him. Lord, from, from his head to his toes, Lord, we just pray that you just yes. pour it upon him. Yes, God. Like living water as he comes up out of here, Lord. Lord, we do speak to depression and fear, and we command it to go now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. We speak to darkness, and we command it to go in Jesus' name. And even just a cloudiness of thought, and we just command that to go right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just we just speak your grace over him. We speak your love over him. We speak your power over him. And God, that you would shine your light into his life, God, in new ways that are unexpected and joyful. And Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, as Michael prayed, that you would just raise a new level of joy in his life and in his heart today, God. We ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. All right, Joshua. Hold on. Plug your nose a bit. We're going to give you that. Right. It's this morning that we, uh, Joshua, baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My name, is, uh, my name is Bob Henry. Uh, I didn't plan on this at all today. Uh, um, I've been away from Jesus for over a decade now. Um, when I lost my father over a dozen years ago, or over 10 years ago, uh, he went through a difficult battle. It turned me off to how that could happen. Uh, hardened my heart. Uh, he was actually a member of this church. Uh, this is my first time opening my heart back up. Uh, recently, I've been wanting to uh, wanting to find a true faith for the Lord, which I believe that I really ever achieved. Um, I wanted it to be true to myself so that it can solidify itself as a real true thing within me. Um, and uh, just recently opened myself up to it, um, decided I wanted to come here. Not really even uh, tying myself with my dad's, you know, involvement here, but this is where it drew me to. Happened to be on Father's Day, uh, <laughs> and the last time that I was in the presence of my father, you know, his physical body was here in this room. 
because um, we had his uh, his funeral here too. Right about here was his casket too. So, so many things. I was sitting over there just <laughs> like, no, you didn't come here for this. You didn't come here for this. So, but here I am. So that's me. Even as Bob's sharing, Lord, that uh, from casket to this baptism, there's a, uh, a spirit of life uh, that yep. you're pouring, in, yep. that you're calling into yes. to Bob. Uh, you are taking uh, things that are dead or things that were dead, Lord, and you are bringing them back to life. Yeah. Lord, thank you for the way that you lead us, even in our complete unawareness of you, your voice, Lord. You all of a sudden just like turn the lights on and there it is. Lord, thank you for turning the lights on in Bob's heart this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Helping him to see the yes. things you want him to see. Yes. Helping him to take those steps that you want him to step in. In the book of Ezekiel, there, there's a, a promise that God promises that he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. Yeah. And in that promise, uh, he is going to take men with hearts of stone and he is going to soften them to yeah. hearts of flesh. <laughs> you just shared yeah. that morning about just that, that hardening. The Lord is going to soften your heart in a way that you haven't experienced in a long time, if ever. So, Lord, I, I pray for that softening. I thank you just for the, um, the the imagery of a father on Father's Day right here, right now. The provision of you, his heavenly father, uh, providing that way, that way of a true life, eternal life. So we, we just pray uh, a blessing over Bob this morning. A blessing of your life. Thank you for your provision in your death, Lord, and your resurrection. That Bob could stand here this morning in this pool of water to experience yep. your eternal life. I just hear Bob God saying over you that he is the healer of hearts. He is the healer of hearts. And he's healing today. He's beginning a healing in your heart, even the deepest places of your heart. He is the healer of your heart today and he's come to you and he's drawn you to himself today to be healed, to be saved, to be delivered and to be set free today. He is the healer of your heart today. Thank you, Lord. I speak that over Bob today, Lord, that you'd be his healer today, God, that there today would start a, a new, fresh season of his life, God. Healed set free God and living for you the life that you've called him to God. We thank you for drawing him today, Lord, in Jesus' name. This morning, Father, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for 
this Father's Day and the significance of this in our life together and specifically for these that were baptized today. Lord, we thank you that you've promised to finish the good work you've begun and that you will pursue and you will see each of these through to completion. So today we celebrate as, as together you continue to build us into a spiritual family. Uh, Lord, would you, as we go out from here, fill our hearts to overflow as we move into our week that we would continue uh, as portable temples, mobile temples of your very presence in this world, uh, that we would carry you with us wherever we go, that we would uh, take a stewardship of your Holy Spirit and that we would share you generously. Commit all this to you in your name, for your glory, for our joy, for the sake of others. Amen. All right, go make the invisible God visible. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.